0: I want to talk to you about a promise that God has given us that is arguably the best and most important of all His promises. I say this because without this promise, you and I cannot believe that God is even real or exists. Without this promise, we cannot understand God's words to us. Without this promise, there is no church and there is no Christian faith. Now, you may be sitting there thinking, okay, Holly, you sound a little urgent there. Just just calm down. Don't be dramatic. But the reason for my urgency is because as important as this promise is, in general, the church has a couple of problems with the promise. One is that we often do not see the value, the importance of this promise. And then secondly, we do not live our lives in submission to this promise. Now, you may be like, okay, submission to a promise. What are we talking about here? What is this promise? Well, the promise to which I speak is the promise of the Holy Spirit. Now, you may think when I say Holy Spirit, all sorts of different thoughts, different things come to your mind based on your experience in your past. If you're not a Christian, uh, or maybe somebody who hasn't spent much time around church, and by the way, if that is you, thank you for joining us. We're encouraged that you're here. But if that's you, maybe when I say Holy Spirit, you think, okay, is that some sort of like mystical being, some sort of translucent ghost-like type Uh, object that's wafting around. Or if you have spent a lot of time in church, maybe you you kind of picture something because of an extreme example of of how the church interacts with the Holy Spirit is what you've experienced. Where in some circles the Holy Spirit is is treated like some sort of magical genie that needs to be relentlessly pursued for what he gives. And then on the other end of this spectrum, the Holy Spirit's barely talked about. It's like some sort of awkward, distant, estranged relative and they make the Holy Spirit may come up in conversation, but you move on quickly because frankly, it's just a little bit awkward. Now, those are character chewers and maybe none of those examples really fits your experience. But what I want to ask all of us today is can we just lay aside our, our preconceived notions and examine afresh who this promised Holy Spirit is and what his role is in our lives and in our world? Jesus, who is God's Son, stated in no uncertain terms the importance and the vast importance of the Holy Spirit. And I think you'll see that with me if you turn to John chapter 16. I'm going to invite you to turn in a Bible, if you have access to a Bible, to John chapter 16. And as you're turning there, let me give you a little bit of context. John 16 is an important moment in Jesus' life as He's getting ready to go to the cross. It's the Passover meal, uh, the last meal that He's sharing with his disciples. And we have part of it recorded, a lot of it recorded in the book of John. And in chapter 16, we come in partway through the dialogue. In verse 5, this is what it says. Jesus is talking. and He says, But now I am going to Him who sent me, to God the Father. And none of you asks, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Now, just stop there for a second. So the disciples are sad because Jesus said, hey, I'm going But what's important for us to understand in light of our conversation today is what he says next. He says this, verse 17, not 17, 7. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go, the helper, capitalized H, will not come to you. But if I go, I will send him to you. Now, just stop with me for a moment and think about what it would have been like to walk and talk with Jesus, to get to sit across a table from him, to get to ask questions from him. I think that would have been a truly awesome experience to get to be alive and walk and talk with Jesus. But what's remarkable is that Jesus is saying to his disciples here who are having that experience, hey, it's actually better if I go. The words he says in this translation is it's to your advantage or other translations say it is for your good or, or for your benefit. It is best for you that I go. And when we read that, we should just pause and be like, wait, what? It's better that Jesus isn't there incarnate in person with them. It's a little bit, I, th- I kind of picture it. it's a little bit like if you had a boss that you really love. By the way, I know that some of you have never had that experience. Just, just imagine with me. You have a boss that you really love who comes into your office one day and says, hey, I know that we've worked really great together, but I'm leaving. But it's okay because the person coming in after me, you're gonna just love them. You're gonna like them more than me. Now, if if you've had that experience or if that happened to you, most likely what you'd do in that moment is you would nod and you would smile, but inside you would disbelieve. You would say, I don't think that's true. I don't think that's going to be the case. And I think that's a little bit of what's happening here with these disciples. And I think even us as readers, we're like, I'd like to see Jesus. I don't know about this helper guy, but I'd like to see Jesus in person. But Jesus is emphatic in saying, hey, the helper is, to, is better for you. In verse 7, that's the word used, the helper. And that word actually in the original language, the Bible is originally written in Greek, is parakletos. And this word means more than just helper. Again, it's a hard word to translate. So we can look at several translations and bring the words together to get a fuller meaning of the word. Some of the other words are counselor, advocate, comforter, intercessor. We bring all of that together and we start to understand who this helper is. This helper is the Holy Spirit. How do I know that it's the Holy Spirit? Well, if I was to flip back a page in my Bible to John chapter 14, verse 26, it says there, the Helper, who is the Holy Spirit. They're synonymous. They're one and the same thing. So the Holy Spirit, it's interesting. The Holy Spirit has several different names. Yes, He is the Helper. And yes, He is the Holy Spirit. He's also the promise. If we were to flip in our Bibles over to Luke 24, verse 48 and 49, what we'd see there is Jesus is speaking to His disciples after He's been raised back to life. And he's commissioning them. And he says, you are my witnesses of these things, as in you've seen me being raised to life again. And he says, and behold, I am sending the promise of my father upon you. This promise is the Holy Spirit. And so we're like, "Okay, that's great. Jesus has sent the promise, the Holy Spirit. But what does that actually mean? Who is this Holy Spirit? What does he do? And these are really good questions. And they're good questions because as Christians, we struggle to really know who is the Holy Spirit and what he does. One of my favorite authors, J.I. Packer, in his book, Knowing God, says this, The average Christian, deep down, is in a complete fog as to the work, what work the Holy Spirit does. And then on the next page of that same book, he says this, Many Christians have really no idea what difference it would make if there were no Holy Spirit in the world. Were it not for the work of the Holy Spirit, there would be no gospel, no faith, No church, no Christianity in the world at all. Now that's strong and compelling language, but I believe it's true. The Holy Spirit is essential for faith and for the church, for the flourishing of the church. So what we're saying, what we're discovering here is no Holy Spirit equals no Christian faith. No Holy Spirit equals no church. He's essential. Now, we just need to stop and note something important here. The Holy Spirit is so vital and powerful because He is God. I haven't explicitly said that yet, so let me not mince my words. The Holy Spirit is God. The Bible talks about God as being one, but three persons in one. God the Father, the Son Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. And yes, that is a brain bender. We don't fully understand that. It hurts our minds to try and comprehend it. We we created a word to try and describe that. We use the word Trinity to describe this truth that God is three in one. It's mysterious. It's wonderful. But the fact that it is mysterious and wonderful should create worship in us, not doubt. Because as we understand that God is beyond our understanding, it reminds us that He is God and that we are not. If we fully understand Him, no longer would He be God. Each member of the Trinity is fully God and unique in their role, but at the same time, unique in their role. So what is the role of the Holy Spirit? Well, there's much that could and should be said to that and much more than I can cover in just a few minutes here. We could talk for a few minutes, we could talk for a long time about the role of the Holy Spirit in creation, how he was there and how his work fills every page of the Bible, how in the Old Testament he interacted in a way that was different from after Jesus went back to heaven and ascended to God the Father. We could talk about how the Holy Spirit helped inspire and write the scriptures. We could talk about how the Holy Spirit gives gifts. We could talk about the Holy Spirit's fruit in our lives. And that's just a short list of things that we can and should talk about when it comes to the Holy Spirit. But what I really want to spend these last few moments thinking about is the role of the Holy Spirit in our lives. We're going to look at four specific ways that He works in our lives. And again, this is not an exhaustive list. This is just to get our minds thinking. The Holy Spirit, the promised Holy Spirit, the first thing is that He stirs our hearts to salvation. The Holy Spirit stirs. If you look back at verse 8 in chapter 16 of John with me, it says, And when He comes, He will convict the world concerning sin and righteousness and judgment. The point is this, you and I cannot believe in God without the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is the one who stirs our hearts to even have any questions about God or to start thinking about how there's things that we have thought, said or done that are offensive to Him. All of those things come from God. It's a gift and a stirring of the Holy Spirit. And so I'd say to you, if, if you don't yet believe in God and yet you're watching this video and curious about God and what it means to be a Christian, that is the stirring of the Holy Spirit. He's working right now. He's stirring right now in your heart. Now, there's more that could be said, but let's move on. The Holy Spirit stirs, but the Holy Spirit also seals. Another way we could say that is that He indwells. It's important for us to understand that at the moment that we truly believe that God is real and that we need Him, when we say, God, please forgive me for my sins and for my brokenness. Would you help me to live my life surrendered to you? When we have that moment of belief, a paradigm shift happens. The Holy Spirit moves from being an external influence to being an internal influence. He comes and lives inside of us. And then again, that's a mystery that I don't fully understand, but it's not my idea. It's biblical. If you go to Ephesians chapter 1, it's speaking to Christians and it says this, In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, there's the importance of that belief, you were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit came and made your heart His permanent home. You were sealed by the Holy Spirit. Another verse that talks about this is 1 Corinthians 6, 19. In that verse, it says this, or do you not know that the Holy Spirit is, do you not know that your body, sorry, is a temple of the Holy Spirit within you, whom you have from God, a temple, a holy dwelling. Your body is a holy dwelling for the Holy Spirit. Now, this is profound, but we can't stay here too long. Let's think to the next thing, which is that the Holy Spirit doesn't just seal us. He shapes us. Or a Christian term that we use for this is He sanctifies us. He renews our hearts. You see, the Holy Spirit doesn't just come and live inside us and He's there along for the ride. No, He has a work to do, and that is to prompt, to help, to counsel, to lead and guide and direct us to becoming more like Jesus. When you and I are given pause for the things that maybe we've said or thought or done, when there's something that's going on in our lives and a thought drops into our mind that wouldn't normally be there. That is the work of the Holy Spirit in our lives. For example, you may be watching or listening to something. And then all of a sudden you have this thought of, hey, I need to not be watching this. I need to not be listening to this. That's the Holy Spirit leading and guiding us and saying, hey, this isn't good. Let's like, let's look at something else. Or if, we, if you've had that moment where you're like, I need to go and make things right with such and such. Again, that's the Holy Spirit prompting us and leading us to look more like Him. Earlier, we talked about how Jesus was saying, hey, it's better that the Holy Spirit is here. Why would Jesus say that? Well, He would say that because he is, when the Holy Spirit came, it no longer was just God with us, which is what Jesus was. It was God in us. Those of us who believe, He comes and indwells us. And that's an incredible and powerful thing. Romans 8 captures a little bit of that power when it says this, If the Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. Now, if you're a Christian, you should read that and be like, yeah! That's one of those passages that you're just like, wow! Wow! The power of God that raised Jesus back to life lives in me. So if you're a believer, that means that Jesus died on the cross for your sins, was raised to new life, and that He spent, sent His Spirit. And you now have the power of God living in you. And not just any little bit of power, it's the power that raised Christ back to life. And yes, some of you may hear that and you're like, Phew, I don't feel that right now. Maybe you're bogged down by uh, anxiety or frustration, anger, depression. We do have these struggles, but I want to remind you today that he that is in you is greater than he that is in the world. You do not need to forget this promise today. You need to cling to this promise that the same spirit that raised Christ back to life is in you. And that's not just some sort of whimsical idea. That's a firm, rock solid anchor of a promise. So the Holy Spirit, yes, shapes us, but the Holy Spirit also sends us. If you go to Acts chapter 1, verse 8, it says, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses. This is Jesus speaking right before he leaves in Jerusalem and in all Judea and in Samaria and to the ends of the earth. The Holy Spirit propels us, sends us to the world, the lost world around us. And again, I would say to you, I know it's a bit of a broken record, but as the Holy Spirit stirs, as He shapes and as He sends, we need to listen to His promptings. If you have a prompting that says, hey, why don't you message, send a message to that friend and tell them that you're praying for them? That's the Holy Spirit sending you. It could be that small right through to the Holy Spirit prompting and leading you to uproot your life and move across the world to tell people who do not yet know about Him about Him. The Holy Spirit sends us on on a whole big scale of things. And so I hope that what you're starting to see again this morning, or maybe for the first time, is how vitally important the Holy Spirit is. A.W. Tozer, who was a pastor and an author several decades ago, said something to the church that I think is just as important today. He said this, I think that there can be no doubt as to the need above all other needs in the church of God at this moment, and that is the power of the Holy Spirit. More education, better organization, finer equipment, more advanced methods are all unavailing, as in they're pointless. It is like bringing a better respirator after the patient is dead. Good as these are, they can never give life. And the point that he's making is this, we need, we desperately need the Holy Spirit as individuals and as a collective church. And so my question to all of us today is, will we submit to the Holy Spirit? Whether you're somebody who's just maybe exploring faith, would you submit to his stirrings in your life and move towards belief today? And if you do believe, would you be submitted to his shaping and to his sending or are you going to drown him out? Do not grieve the Holy Spirit by ignoring his promptings and his leadings. Let's listen to the voice of the Spirit today. Let's be empowered by the Spirit. Let's pray for the Spirit to move. The promise of the Holy Spirit is so vital to our lives and to the church. So let's walk with him.